Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Amen. Get your notebooks out, your, your, your pens, and I got a word the Lord put on my heart this morning when I was praying early, early this morning, and the word surrender came into my spirit. Surrender. So I want to talk about fully surrendering tonight. I'm going to put a verse up, and then I'm going to read a story that I just think is so powerful. Uh, Galatians chapter 2. I'm going to read this now, and I'm going to read it at the end. This is the, the verse that the Lord gave me for this specific thought. And it says, I have been crucified with Christ. So it is no longer I who live. In other words, this, this life that I'm living is no longer mine. And this is, this is what causes a Jesus revolution. When people realize that we're not just checking a, a religious box off on a Sunday or a Wednesday to go to church. We realize that somebody has changed our lives. When there's a true revival spirit, and I've heard this this week from people coming to me and asking me if they could go to these other, other church services and these other revivals because they said, I want to be in church every night. That's a, that's a, that's a sign of a revival. And that we're not just checking off the box. That we're not just saying, well, I went. We understand that I'm not the person I used to be. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In other words, I am fully surrendered to Jesus. And this is the attitude that God wants us to have. Now, we know that everybody does not have that attitude, but that is the attitude that God wants everybody to have. And the life which I now live in the flesh... How many know we, before we met Christ, we lived in the flesh to, fu- to fulfill the lust of our flesh, to fulfill the desires of our, f- our flesh? Now it says, the life I live in this fleshly body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Lord, that's enough right there to shout hallelujah. That's enough to go home and have revival, Lord, that personal revival right there alone that you came and died for us and love us and gave yourself for us. And so tonight we surrender to you, Holy Spirit, not just at this service, but every day, every moment, every hour, Father. Anoint my words, anoint this time together, Lord, and let nobody leave the same way they came. And devil, you're defeated And all your demonic powers are held disarmed and powerless by the power of Jesus Christ and the blood shed on the cross. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. I want to tell a quick story about the Titanic. And um, I may have told this story before. I don't think I have. If I have, it's been a long time. Uh, But there was a man named John Harper who was on on that ship when the Titanic went down. He was a devoted pastor. He, has, he was somebody who had started several churches, and if, as a matter of fact, to this day in 2023, the one of the ones he started, I don't know about the others, but one of the ones he started in Glasgow, Scotland, still exists 125 years later. Uh, it's still a thriving church. And uh, he became a widower as he lost his wife during the pregnancy of their child, their only child, Nina. And so they were invited to go preach. His wife had already passed away. He kept preaching the gospel, and he got invited to go to Chicago from Scotland to preach uh, for Moody's Church in Chicago, Illinois. So he's on that Titanic, and I want to give an example tonight, and these kind of stories should stir us. Amen? 
This is another sign of revival that when a message is preached and a story is given, we make it personal to ourselves. We put ourselves in that story and we challenge ourselves to be the kind of person that this story is going to tell us this man was. As he was a successful pastor and got on the Titanic, we know that on April 14th, as passengers were, I'm reading a little bit here so I, I don't get sidetracked, uh, danced in the ballroom, tried their luck at the card tables, were eating and drinking and having fun. John Harper was putting his daughter to bed, I love this, and reading his devotions to her as he did every single night. At 11.40 p.m., the Titanic struck an iceberg. The unsinkable ship was doomed. Either in disbelief or unaware of the time, passengers continued about their pleasures. It wasn't until the midship's crew sent up a series of distress flares that the passengers realized this is serious, something really bad is happening. As the chaos ensued and it all began to happen so fast, John Harper's response left a historic example of courage and faith. Before I keep reading this story, I want you to understand that every day we are presented with opportunities that may be a historic opportunity. Do you believe that? Some of you don't believe that because you think, no, I'm just, I'm just some little old person and I don't matter. You matter. And your story matters. Amen? Nobody thinks that, that at some moment something crazy is going to happen that's going to cause us to, to do something wild. This man stepped into history as he woke up his daughter, listen to this, picked her up, she was six years old by the way, wrapped her in a blanket, carried her up to the deck, kissed her goodbye, and handed her to a crewman who put her in lifeboat 11. Y'all with me on this? How many dads are with me on this? Harper knew... Now, by the way, this is a true story. This isn't just something that sounds good. Harper knew he would never see his daughter again. His daughter would be left an orphan at six years of age. He was making a decision at that moment that he was going to do something that was going to last not only for history but for eternity. He gives that six-year-old daughter to that, those men on that boat and knows she's going to go to safety. He then gives his life jacket to a fellow passenger ending any chance of his own survival. How many would say that's full surrender? From a survivor, we learn that he was calling out women and children. Listen to this. Women and children and unsaved people into the lifeboats. So as, as people we know from the movie or from the story, they were getting people into those lifeboats. He wanted people who had not claimed Jesus Christ to get, in, to get into those lifeboats. He didn't want them to die unsaved. That was his goal. And so, so he understood that there was a more important thing than surviving this terrible disaster. He understood that there were those who were unprepared to face eternity. As the sounds of terror and mayhem continued, Harper focused on his God-given purpose. How many believe you have a God-given purpose tonight? It says later, survivors reported seeing him on the upper deck on his knees, surrounded by terrified passengers, praying with them for salvation. At 2.40 a.m., the Titanic disappeared between the, the North Atlantic, leaving a mushroom-like cloud of smoke and steam above her grave and tragically over 1,000 people, including Harper, almost 1,500 actually, including Harper, fighting for their lives in the water. 
Quickly he swam, listen to this, to every person he could find, urging them to put their faith in Jesus Christ. While death forced others to face the folly of their life's pursuits, John's Harp, John Harper's goal was winning people to Jesus Christ. In the water, John Harper was moving around as best he could. How many know that wasn't an easy task in freezing water? Speaking to as many people as possible, his question was, are you saved? How many know that's what we need to be doing today in our lives, asking people, are you saved? Are you saved? If they weren't saved and they didn't understand that terminology, he would rapidly explain the Christian gospel. Soon John Harper began to, 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 to succumb to the ICC. But even in his last moment, the tireless man of undying faith continued to win souls. Now this is the last part of the story. Four years later, there is a, a get-together of the survivors who survived uh, the, out of the ships and out of the water. Steve Crane says this. Listen to this number. I was one of only six people out of the 1,517 people who were left in the water who lived. Six out of 1,517 people. All the rest of the people in the water died that they could not get into the boats. And it says, he, to be pulled, I was one of those to be pulled from the icy waters. Like hundreds around me, I found myself struggling in the cold, dark waters of the North Atlantic. The wall, the whale, listen to this, imagine the whale of the perishing. Can you imagine the screams of the people dying as they're going underwater? I, I, it gives me the chills to even think about it. And he would still continue, and this man says, I remember hearing in my ears, is your soul saved? Is your soul saved? This man had climbed on a piece of debris, and Harper, who was struggling in the water, shouted to him, to Steve, are you saved? Steve replied, no. Harper shouted the words, believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. Again, Harper shouted in his last words, are you saved? And Steve asked to believe in Jesus. He asked Steve to believe in Jesus. Then he slipped under the waves for the last time. Steve was touched, as he tells in this story at the, at the memorial meeting. And it says, then and there, I gave my life to Jesus. He said, I heard him call out to others as he and everyone around me sank beneath the waters. There, alone in the night, he says, realizing later that there are two miles of water underneath me, I cried out to Jesus to save me. He says, I am John Harper's last convert. Amen? How many know that's full surrender? Full surrender, amen? Now, Put yourself in that story, and I'm not going to ask us to raise hands or any of that stuff, but we have to ask ourselves, how willing would we have been to do what this man did? Now, I'm not saying that to make us feel bad. I want to, I want to say that to encourage us and to challenge us, to ask ourselves that question continually, how surrendered am I to God? Amen? Here's the definition of surrender. I want you to listen to it and maybe do inventory tonight. How many know that, that good preaching and good uh, uh, messages from the Lord are always going to challenge our faith? They're always going to challenge our comfort. As I say a lot by quoting my pastor, we comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. 
In other words, if you're too comfortable, you need to be afflicted a little bit. Because when we're comfortable, we're not doing the things God wants us to do. And when we're afflicted, God will comfort us. But how many know that we're constantly in that battle? We're always talking about this. And we, I don't know about you, but I need and want my faith to be challenged. I need to be told I can do more. I can do better. I can go further. And I need stories like this to remind me. So the definition of surrender is to yield to the power, the control, or the possession of another. So how yielded to the power, how possessed by God am I as we read this definition? Another one is to give up completely or agree to forego in favor of another. Have we, so, so as I'm saying this, you need to begin to think in your spirit, in your life, in your mind, how much have I given up of myself in my life to Jesus? And we'll, we'll find out quickly that we, whether or not we are the check-the-box people or Jesus is really our Lord of our lives. And it doesn't mean that we're going to have everything perfect, but we should quickly be able to know at least where we stand and if we don't stand where we want to stand, we can change that. That's what's so awesome about every day coming to the church and every day coming to, to a, a fresh touch of God so he can continue to challenge us. It says to give up oneself over to something such as an influence. How many have been influenced by the power of the Holy Spirit here tonight? How many know that Jesus came and knocked on your door and you opened up the door and he changed your life? Now, I want to read Galatians 2.20 again. I'm going to read it three times in this message. I have been crucified. You have to put yourself this in this verse. This is Paul speaking, but you need to say, I have been crucified with Christ. That's what that, si that symbol of baptism was on Sunday, that I'm going down into that water, and my old man is dying. And a new person is coming up out of that, out of that water. And it's no longer I who live. Your life has to be that it's, this life is not about me. This life is about Jesus. This life is about what I can do to affect other people's lives. Church, how many realize tonight that the only thing we can take with us to heaven is souls? We cannot take possessions. We cannot take things. We have things. We go to work. We have houses. We have cars. We have possessions. But those possessions don't have us. Amen. And we are everything we're doing is so that we can make an eternal impact. That man, John Harper, knew that I'm about to give my daughter. And let me tell you something. As a, as a man with two daughters, this, that hits home hard. I'd like to say that I could do what he did, but I'm not sure I could. Just being honest. How many know the anointing of the Holy Spirit had to come upon that man? To, give, to already have lost her mom. And by the way, she goes on to be fine and marries a pastor and lives a great life. I think she lives to be 80 or 90 years old, that daughter. So she was good. Amen. But let me tell you something. That, that the anointing kicked in as he realized, I'm going to do something temporary that's going to make an eternal impact. Can you imagine what it was like for him, just for a second, to think about? He, he went under that water and struggled for, for his breath for a, less than a minute, probably. And a minute later, he was in heaven with all those people who had cried out to Jesus with him in the water. And they were no longer freezing, and they were no longer in darkness. They woke up to see that Jesus. Immediately, they went into the water and died and came alive in heaven in the presence of the Lord. 
That's what we have to remind ourselves of. So it's Christ that lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. In other words, this physical body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Nobody has made a bigger sacrifice than Jesus. Now, let's look at what Jesus asks for. This is why I mentioned on Sunday, we're going to go to Luke chapter 14. It's always been Jesus' plea. That we as believers and we as followers of Christ and we as disciples understand that he does, and this is where we, we, we really like to make it clear that it's not just say a prayer, get a ticket, go to heaven. Jesus expects us to do something. And it says here, now great multitudes went with him, followed him everywhere. And he turns and he says to them, some very powerful words, many of you have heard them before. If anyone comes to me, now this is, just to throw this out there, how many know this is very different than those people who were crying out to Jesus dying in the water? Those people didn't have any chance to do anything except cry out to Jesus, right? Do you all follow me on that? They, they, they got baptized. I guess you could look at that. They got baptized as they were dying. They were in the water. That's about the only thing close to what they could have done. No church, no tithe, no prayer. They just called on Jesus. Okay, this here is for us now that are saved and we didn't get saved on our deathbed. Now, now we've got a life in front of us. This verse right here was the verse that, that, that John Harper's daughter Nina had to live. She gets back to, to Scotland at six years old as, a, as an orphan. Think about what she had to go through. She had to learn these verses. And Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not... This is crazy. Maybe some of you have never heard this before. Hate his father and mother, his wife and children. Now, don't lose me here because I'm going to explain this in a second, okay? His brothers and sisters, and yes, his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. You know what this means to me? This means to me that pretty much he's saying, unless you be like John Harper... You're not my disciple. Right? Y'all reading the same verses I'm reading? Jesus says, listen, I'm going to give my life for you. I want you to give your life for me. Not just, not just receive the, the insurance paper and, and go to heaven. Now, again, just to clarify, he doesn't ask us to do these things to be saved. He asks us to do these things after we've been saved. I don't ever want anybody to mistake that. I always try to make that clear. Salvation is free. But once we get saved, there is a task that we have. That that's why we have these kind of messages, and we want to see a revival, because our task is to surrender. Surrender. In other words, we can't serve two masters, Jesus says. We can't have our cake, as they say in the saying, and eat it too. You can't, you can't be on both sides of the fence. You have to make a loyalty to one or to the other. And so we know that when we get saved, Jesus is saying, listen, I died for you, but now I need loyalty. I need surrender. I need you to be willing to give your life for me or you can't be to my disciple. Now, I, I remember many times reading this in the past and, and it kind of, you know, throwing me off and wondering what in the world is he saying? He wants me to hate my mom and dad, but the, but the Bible says I'm supposed to honor my mother and father. And so it's not a contradiction 
What it means is this. It's simple. If you have your notes there, it'll help you. It means hate there means love less. If you don't love less your parents, your children, your brothers, your sisters, if you don't love less your own life, you cannot be my disciple. Y'all get that? Does that make sense? Because that's the kind of God we serve. He, the Bible says he's a jealous God. He, he does not share his glory with anyone. And the way that you're going to see fruit in your life and be blessed is when God is number one. Not 1A, 1B, 1C, close second. God doesn't play that. Okay? He doesn't play that. He, he gave it all, and, and he expects back everything. Okay? This verse is, is very clear for that. Now, as we keep on reading, let's read a few more verses. And whoever doesn't bear his cross, and that cross is self-denial. That cross is, is surrender. That's why I'm calling this full surrender. That cross is, is dying to your flesh, dying to your knees, dying to your desires. And come after me cannot be my disciple. And then he gives an example to kind of make it make sense. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? This is why I, I don't always do it, but I try when I do an altar call and a salvation thing to let people know this is not going to be an easy road. This is, not, this is the best road, but it's not an easy road. Serving God's not easy. Being a Christian's not easy. It's, it's an uphill battle. It's an ups, but, but the fight is fixed. We already won, like I told you on Sunday. Amen? It's already fixed. We just got to walk it out. So then it says, whether he has enough to finish. Lest after he's laid the foundation, is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him saying, this man began to build. Now, again, this is another picture that we can begin. I said on Sunday, it's not how you start, it's how you... Have you all ever driven up to Sanger, a little bit past our, our new land, and getting right into Sanger, looked over to the left, past the baseball fields and all that, and seeing that huge... I'm not going to use that word because my wife hates it. That uh, gigantic... She hates the word when I use humongous. I don't know why. That gigantic house... Ranch looking. Have you all seen that? It's black, gray, whatever it is. For 30 years that I've been coming here, that thing has never been finished. People have bought it, tried to fix it up, and never finished it. That's the picture of a lot of Christians' lives. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. So if you, don't, if you buy something, you got to finish it. Okay. So if you say, Jesus, I'm yours, it, he who endures till the end shall be saved. We got to finish. We got to understand that this is going to be a walk. John Harper could have easily taken the easy road and said, Hey, I'm saved. I'm good. Me and my daughter did our devotional tonight. Y'all just go ahead and die. I'm good. Right? He could have done that. He was saved. He could have said, Man, before I came on this trip, I've been pastoring for a bunch of years. I've already done a bunch. I'm just going to let these, these people are partying anyways. They don't want nothing to do with God. I'm going to get my, I'm going to get on. He could, you know what? He could have got on the boat with her. They were letting mother and children on. There was no mother. He was the only parent. He could have got on the boat. He could have taken the easy way out. But he said, that's not who I am. That's not what I'm going to do. 
Jesus changed my life, and I'm going to go all the way for him. I'm going to fully surrender to Jesus. Everything that I am, everything that I have is the Lord's. He counted the cost. And so he's saying they began to build, they began to build and weren't able to finish. And we'll finish here. It says, or what king going to war against another king doesn't sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whatever, sorry, whoever of you does not forsake all he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, and we're just going to end there, how can it be seasoned? So hate meaning love less. This goes to the part where we read earlier, it says, carry your own cross. Amen. I'm challenging us tonight to ask ourselves, how surrendered am I to the Lord? And if you say tonight, watch this, I'm 100% surrendered, I say, good, let's go for 105. Right? Happily discontent. I can do more. John Harper probably got up to heaven and said, man, I could have saved some more if I could have just breathed a little longer. Right? I mean, that's the kind of attitude he probably had. If I could have just held on a little longer, I could have swam a little further. But see, he didn't know that he had touched some people. And we don't know how many people that Steve Kane touched. Hopefully, somebody say hopefully. Hopefully that man not only told the story four years later, hopefully he followed him as he was following Christ. And hopefully he carried that on. And that's why at church, that's why I'm always telling us, we got to take this torch and pass it on to somebody else. You can't get to heaven by yourself. You got to take someone with you. Amen? That, that's what a revolution is. That's what the, the Jesus movement is. That's what a revival is. is I, you, you get to a place where you say, I can't keep this to myself. I got to give this to somebody. And if it's not real to you, you're not going to want to share it. So you'll know. Tonight, if you're, if you're here and you don't have a burden, you don't have a, de- a desire, you don't have a compassion for the lost, that you don't care, you, you're not in a good place. You should care. I'm not even saying that you always follow through with your desires, but at least you care. I mean, that's a good place to start. That you think about souls. You think about people's eternity. I don't know about you, when I drive a, by a car accident or I drive by something horrible, I stop and go, Lord, please let them have known you, Jesus. I, I, it bothers me when I see pain and see hurt and see lives lost because I think of their souls. That's Immediately that night, John Harper had a fully surrendered heart to God so that when tragedy began to happen, he immediately went into the mode, not of self-preservation, but of how can I tell these people about Jesus so they don't go to hell? What a picture, Amen of compassion. And church, that's why Jesus says, if you think about it, he says, deny yourself because we are selfish people. Our humanity, our carnality, our natural selves, our self-preservation. That's why when we hear that story, it's so hard for us to even imagine that a man would take his six-year-old daughter and hand him over to strangers and say, take my child, knowing he's never going to see her again. That's not normal. That's supernatural. 
And that comes from a life that is fully surrendered to God. It says, I'll do anything to, to, to tell people about Jesus. We see this from Jesus himself. You don't ever see Jesus asking us to do something he does not do himself. Look at what the Bible says in Luke 22. This is in the garden. Verse 41. This is the night that he's about to be turned in. This is the night that Judas is about to betray him. This is the night he knows he's about to be beaten and his beard pulled out and kicked and hit and spit on and ultimately go to the cross. And it says he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed. Watch this. Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Church, this is so important because we see the deity of Jesus. What is deity? God, sorry, Jesus, fully man and fully God. He is God in a human body with human emotions and human fears. How many know that's what makes the cross so powerful? He was not immune to the the fears or the pain of what was going to happen there. He, he says, Lord, take this cup away from me. Take it. He's having this conversation with, with his flesh, with his father. He's thinking, as many of us would do, and, and I believe this probably passed into John Harper's mind. Lord, I'm about to go give my daughter away. Is there another way? Can, can we do this different? By the time he got there, he knew he couldn't. He came back to his spiritual self. He denied himself. Jesus said, Father, if we can do this different, let's change it. But all of a sudden, he comes back to himself. This is what we have to do on a daily basis. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Father, not my will, but yours be done. And then an angel appeared to him from heaven strengthen him. By the way, when you pass the test, he'll always come to minister to you. Know that the, 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 the comforts around the corner, the affliction of the of affliction. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. He went to another level. How many would like to see God take you to another level? Another level of anointing, another level of soul winning, another level of faith. And he prayed more earnestly, and look at this. His sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. That's fully surrendered. That's all in. Amen? So he doesn't ask us to do anything. Church, if you're taking notes, write this down. Every morning, every afternoon, every evening, i got to surrender. Every day, every morning. Every afternoon, every evening, i got to surrender. You can't, you can't surrender tonight and then surrender again next Wednesday and then surrender again a couple weeks later. you got to do it every day. Every single day, you got to die to yourself. And you have to, because that's what Paul did. Acts 20, look at this, verse 24. Paul said, I die daily. In, in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, I die daily. Now, how could he say that? Because watch this. This is the place. How, how can I do what John Harper did? Let me ask you all a question. Is John Harper special? Special because of what he did. Some of you all are like, yeah, he's real special. Yeah, he is, absolutely. But what I mean is, is he different than us? No. He's, he's just a human being. 
But he stepped into an element of faith that only comes from fully surrendering. And so Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to read this here in a second, but he would say, I die daily. I, I, I crucify this flesh every day. So I'm not just beating myself or beating, beating in the air. I'm, I'm doing something. I'm putting myself in, in saying, listen, listen, flesh. I'm going to win souls today. Listen, flesh. I'm not going to do what you want me to do. Listen, flesh, I'm not going to cuss. I'm not going to gossip. I'm not going to slander. I'm not going to be mean. I'm, listen, flesh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the time to get out of my vehicle at the gas station and pass someone a Jesus card. Listen, flesh, I'm going to care about that person on the side of the road. Whatever it is, you're telling your flesh every day. That's why prayer is so important. He says, but he says, none of these things move me. And I want you to understand that Paul was a man who had lots of success. Before he met Jesus, he was very, very successful in the religious world. I think today we would consider him a very good motivational speaker. He was good at what he did. He says, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race. See the word there? Finish my race with what? Joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Fully surrendered. That's the word the Lord spoke to me this morning. It's the word the Lord wants you to hear tonight. Have you fully surrendered? I can't answer that question for you. You can't answer that question for me. You can't answer it for your kids. You can't answer it for your spouse. It's a personal answer. Lord, if I'm not, I want to be tonight fully surrendered. Let me give you one last thought as she begins to play. Listen to this. If you're, right, if you're taking notes, surrender equals lordship. That means that he's, he's not just, this is important, he's not just savior. Because to a lot of people, Jesus is savior. But he's not lord everyone. That's the difference between believing and discipleship. Being a believer and being a disciple. Is, Lord, you're my Savior. And those people that died in the water there on the Titanic, they didn't have a chance to make him Lord. He was just their Savior. But we have a chance today to make him Savior and Lord. Because we're alive and we're living a life every day. And so every day you have to surrender and that surrender becomes Lordship. And so in that lordship, listen to this, you're allowing the Lord to manage your life. I'm going to say a few things, as, and you might even you want to write this down, you might want to close your, whatever you want to do, but I want you to listen to this. It'd probably be good to write it down, whatever you want to do. When he's Lord, you're allowing him to, ma he's your manager. He, man he makes the decisions, not you. He's, he's not, listen, this is important, he's not a consultant, he's your manager. With a consultant, you say, hey, what do you think about this? And you make the decision. He, he's your manager. He tells you what to do. If you have that relationship. When he's Lord, that's why I said Sunday, yes, Lord. And we have to wrestle through that question of who's the boss. That's why it's daily. Lord, are you the boss or am I the boss? Because listen, this is important. He'll let you be the boss. 
He'll let you be the boss of your life. But he can't, he won't let you be the boss and him be boss. Can't, that's why he says you can't serve two masters. Either I'm master or you're master. I'm master or the world's master. So watch this. Jesus Christ will never be our assistant. Never. Jesus Christ does not play a backup position. He doesn't come off the bench. He's number one. He'll either have full authority or no authority. If we ever think, and we may have those thoughts, even though they sound crazy, that we can share the top spot, we're fooling ourselves. Either we're in charge or he's in charge. And this is important, very important. Surrender will never be forced by God. Never. He won't force it. It's not, it's not like our idea of surrender, because our idea of surrender is a gun is pointing at us, and we're like, okay, you win because you have a gun and I don't. Right? That's kind of what our mentality is of surrender. Put hands up. That, that's not how it is with God. He doesn't force that. He's not standing there going, he says, do what you want, but you have to surrender on your own. He won't make us surrender. He won't do it. He needs to be number one, listen, every day, all the time. Amen? Lord, let me be half the man, a quarter of the man, an eighth of a man, a sixteenth of the man that John Harper was. Lord, let it even pass through my mind that I could give my daughter up and go save people. But, Lord, I hope and pray that I'm that surrender to you, Father. Lord, this is what causes us to be used by you is when we, when we fully, 100% make you the boss. I don't want you to be a consultant. I want you to be my manager. I want you to be Lord and Master, not just my Savior. I want you to be my everything. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. That's our prayer tonight as a church. I believe that's everyone here's prayer. Lord, I surrender. I surrender. I surrender my life to you, my will to you, my desires to you. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, have you ever not surrendered? Maybe you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never given your heart to Jesus. You've never made him master. I'm going to say like John Hopkins said that night, are you saved? Are you born again? If you passed into eternity, where would you go? Tonight we're not at this moment facing a Titanic. We're not drowning in the water physically. We're not there, but we're in a world that's very uneasy. We're in a world that is very crazy. We're in a world that we know that any moment something can happen. It's volatile. Our faith needs to be in Jesus. Tonight, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, he wants to become not only your Savior, but he wants to become your Lord, and he wants you to take up that cross, and he wants you to follow him. How many tonight, quickly, all across this place, and we'll give opportunity online as well, could say, I've never been saved. I've never been born again. Tonight, I need to give my life to Jesus. Just put your hand up. Put it right back down in this place. We're going we're gonna to... 
give a chance for the Lord to challenge us tonight. Maybe you're backslidden, running from the Lord, and out on fire, lukewarm, cold. You need to come home. You need to get right. Tonight you can do that with the Lord. That's what's awesome about a church service and a message and an opportunity to reflect. Let's stand across this place. Let's open up these altars tonight. Churches, I mentioned these messages. Let's just talk to God. Let's surrender to him. Come and surrender. Come and fully surrender. 100%. Just say, Lord, I don't want it to be my words. I want it to be actions. I don't want to just say I love you. I want to show you I love you. And then say, Lord, if there's something I need to see, if there's something in my life that's not right, if I'm not fully surrendered to you, if I'm not counting the cost tonight, show me tonight. This isn't for condemnation. This is, this is the call of God to, to die to myself tonight. You know, you can die to yourself just in prayer alone. Just saying, Lord, my flesh doesn't want to pray, but I'm going to get on my knees tonight. I'm going to get on my face tonight. I'm going to sit on a chair. I'm going to stand. Whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to surrender my heart. I want to yield to you. As, as Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane, there's a battle right now between your flesh and your spirit. Your flesh wants to go home and eat. Your spirit wants to see the world changed. What's going to win? That's the battle. What's, who's going to win? Let that spirit win. Don't just be stirred by a story like John Harper's. Say, Lord, help me be in the position to do what John Harper did. As we sing, let's just open our hearts, open our minds, open our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, our prayers. Let God speak to us tonight. Amen. Jesus, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I admit that I'm a sinner and I fall short of your glory. I believe that I'm living that life of the Titanic. My, my life is going to end at any moment and I'm going to face eternity. Tonight I thank you for giving me the chance to believe on you. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you truly died on the cross and you came out of the grave to defeat death so that I don't have to fear eternity. Because you resurrected, I will resurrect. I will live forever. Take my life tonight. Take control. Transform me. I want to be born again. I want to become a new creation. From this day forward, teach me. Show me your way. Show me how to be a disciple. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.